0: Welcome to The Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of The Good Athlete Project.
1: Welcome to The Good Athlete Podcast. Jim first met J. Jean Louis while he was working for Boston Scholar Athletes as a leader at Jeremiah E. Burke High School. For this episode, they sit down to talk about how they have used athletics to help others. Jay was a successful high school athlete in the Boston area, which led to him being a highly sought-after recruit. He chose to continue his career at UConn, where he was on the team for one of their most successful stretches in program history. They went to four consecutive bowl games, including an appearance in the 2011 Fiesta Bowl. We really enjoyed sitting down with Jay, and hope you enjoy the conversation as well.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your history as an athlete? Sure. Um, So I said I started competing
2: in any sport that wasn't at school. I started at six years old, and the sport that was at my foundation was track and field. Mm -hmm. Um, When I say through track and field, um, not only did I gain an understanding for competition, but also what the work it takes to, to be good. Mm-hmm. Not only be good, but be elite. Um, on an individual level, because mm-hmm. uh, track and field is, is, I ran a four in the 200 meters. So once you're in, your, in, you're in your lane, you don't have a teammate unless right. you're in a, in a relay. And those are um, some of the hardest races. The yeah, so all eyes on you, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think the, not only the mental preparation, because I think that goes unnoticed, but the physical, um, preparation that went into it uh, you, you have to actually there's no way you can you can do that half-heartedly mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, to be elite as a track athlete is, is a full-time job right? and I don't think I really really understood that um, so I, I was fortunate enough to understand that at an early age and uh, really you know become elite Uh, i had two national titles i think before high school i had one of the 400 meters that i won in indianapolis and then one of the 200 meters that i won um in upstate new york Um, so that Mm -hmm. warring but always 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 since day one uh, i'd say football was my passion Mm -hmm. but because i was good at track early on my track coach would you know, had an influence on me and, and Jim really allowed me to play football because, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes in football, injuries are, you know, what comes to mind 100% because sure. it's such a
0: aggressive sport. Um, well, even like a rolled ankle would throw off your times. 100%. It's so funny. I don't want to interrupt you, but, yeah. I, but we've been talking to a lot of people recently uh, that are in like the time based sports, like mm-hmm. a swimmer or something like that, where you, it's just like compete against the clock. I didn't. Know, I never competed in one of those sports. Yeah. I, like the only one-on-one sport I ever competed in was wrestling. But yeah. like, track, G, like like you said, you can't not train. Right. You can't fudge that. Right. You can't hope the ball back. <laughs> like, you know what I mean?
2: That's like, funny. You so it does work. That's funny. One of my uh, teammates, actually, as a child, I remember that just made me remember uh, one of his quotes. He was he was like frustrated about his time not dropping. And he was having my I overheard a conversation with him and my coach at the time, Curtis Jacket, in a uh, He's he's talking to coach and he's like, Coach, I was I was trying to beat my time, I was trying to beat my PR, but the clock was just going too fast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
2: Uh, but yeah, that that made me dig into it. Like but that. yeah, tra- transitioning now um, into my football life, mm-hmm. uh, which was the next step. I, I played basketball for a while, but that was in grade school. That was I was never really serious about that. Um, actually, I was. I was. I feel like I was, that was probably my. Second level, it was tied at the time. Yeah, uh, I was track and field, but uh, in hindsight, it wasn't that important because I didn't do it for that long of a time, right? Um, uh, but moving on in, in, into football, where like as soon as I reached high school, freshman year, I, I finally was able to play my passion Yeah, no one was going to tell me not to do it. It was too easy not to, to, to actually play football at the high school level. Popcorn, you have to get this way, we have to get that sure. sign, this and that, it's by weight. But um, to play football in high school though you just, you know, Show up, go yeah. off on the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what high school you at? Arlington Catholic High School in Arlington, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so once I started there, it was like, once I put on the equipment, once I, you know, touched the pigskin, like it was like, okay, this is not my calling, you know, because that makes it a little dramatic. But I, I'd say at that point in time, like I didn't know anything. It mm-hmm. consumed me. Yeah, um, for for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say a lot of my social skills developed from from football. A lot of yeah. my confidence, a lot of my social development, all of that, um, I'd say, comes from being on a team, being around so many different personalities, mm-hmm. being around uh, bold people, mm-hmm. um, and then understanding, you know, the actual sport itself, right. Uh, anyone who plays football at a fast or I mean, any sport in general you understand once once you you play it you start to do less thinking and more reacting right um, when you speak, once you start to speak the language right if you about yeah a hundred percent you, you pull, look, one of my coaches used to say let just let your feet take you to the play mm-hmm. uh, you don't think about it anymore in mm-hmm. um, that that side of it um, captivated me, you, you know. Um, not not in the moment, you know, not way back then, but like thinking about it now, like you literally condition yourself to to move and operate uh, almost uh, in a superhuman like fashion, right? Because you rely on instincts. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know, you know, the science around instinctual thinking, but I would say that. Even now in the, in the real world, I use my instincts and I, I don't think I, have when I don't second guess myself and I just read and react, so to speak, is I've 100% made the right choice.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, there's a lot out there. Have you heard of the book Flow? No. There's a, I'll, I'll get it for you, actually. Okay. Um, there's a lot out there on, on entering like a flow state where like challenge and competency meet, you almost like do an autopilot flow and it feels amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you perform at a high level. That's yeah. true. We talk about, um, we think that one of the true values of sports, especially contact sports for mm-hmm. whatever reason, um, it, there's a value there because in one's adolescence, mm-hmm. like, there is an animal inside of all of us, and I don't care if that sounds over the top; it's the <laughs> it's the truth, right? And and especially in adolescence, hormones are going crazy. Mm-hmm. You want to compete, you want to succeed, you want to be part of a tribe or a group of people. You know, what I mean? it's just very it's deep down in us from a program from a long long time ago. Right. Um, so finding that in yourself, and um, I know you like your coaches from high school. We've talked yeah. about that before, yeah. Yeah, right. and, and then and then being lucky enough to have leaders in that space that are that are molding and, and facilitating this place uh, this, this platform right. um, to an experience like yours it's a special thing it doesn't right. it doesn't probably doesn't happen anywhere else yeah. in one's lifetime yeah um, and, and I'm like a huge quote by it. obviously you know any coach that you've been throw sure. around
2: throws your shirts around like anything um, but go based off what we just just said before we segue into this conversation, yeah you know, overthinking or conditioning your mind to read yeah. and react. Mm-hmm. Uh one of my coaches used to say it was a very simple statement. He used to say, uh, if you think, you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um
0: and that means you're a bad player if you if you think too much. Yeah. Um in competitions, in competitions, because the, the way and this is another great lesson. The way you get to that yeah. is by doing a lot of thinking, by right. studying the plays, by making it so that all of a sudden you're there, and you don't have to. Right, think. and it's second nature. Yeah, you know, it's like walking. Right, uh, DB coach used to
2: always say you gotta you gotta be able to backpedal like you walk forward. You know? Yeah, and, and that's that's exactly what it is. You should just flow. Right, um, but yeah, moving on from there, um, from high school, learning all the lessons that I did. Um, through sports, moving in and, and getting a scholarship to the University of Connecticut and that whole process, the recruitment process. It's like what is happening to me right now. Right. right. As you go from, you know, just taking the taking the bus every day to school, feeling like a normal kid to, you know, coaches driving halfway across the country or flying across the country to to, to have a conversation with you. Right. Um, uh, and, and that makes you feel important. Right? You 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 then you're like, what, what am I actually doing right now? I feel, I feel like there's one point in, in high school where I think it was so, yeah, sophomore year, Notre Dame was the first school to ever walk through my, my school doors. Yes. Um, and that was as a result of BC camp, because you know once coaches start talking about it, mm-hmm. it spread like wildfire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember my, my head coach being all hyped up about this, this uh, I guess he was famous, a famous coach, um, Quarterback coach at the time, I don't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Uh, that he was coming to see me, and me not knowing, uh, like I told you, I had gone to Indiana um, and ran nationals there, indoor nationals. Right. Um, so he's talking to me, he's having this conversation, and he's like, um, he asked me about the school, what I thought about Notre Dame, and obviously I knew nothing about Notre Dame at the time. But even though I was, you know, heavily into sports, I grew up right. at the University of Miami. Right. I didn't know the prestige of different schools. I didn't, I didn't have that. If, I didn't, you, if you're if you in the Midwest, you can't miss it. But right. out East, it's, yeah. Right. I, yeah. I had no clue. I had no clue. Um, not only that, but uh, I'm first generation from immigrant parents. So, like, football wasn't even in the family. Like, I didn't have anyone before me to, like, teach me about these things. Sure. Show their ropes. So, uh, I remember responding to them. Uh, <laughs> said something along the lines of, "You know, I really appreciate all the facts that you shared with me about your school and all that." But I've, I've been to South Bend, Indiana. It's not some place that I'd wanna, <laughs> I want to. I, yeah. I want to yeah. spend my college years. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, obviously, like growing up watching Miami, you see the palm tree. See oh, okay. things, yeah, um, beautiful. But yeah, fa- fast forward through the whole recruitment process, um, all the different schools that were interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, Right, somehow I end up in University of Connecticut. Yeah, uh, but it's not somehow. My my head coach at the time had a good relationship with the uh, recruiting coach for this area, Mike Foley. Yeah, um, who was also the O line coach at the time, uh, and <laughs> he kind of like convinced me. You know, like he was like, "This is this would be a good play for you." I went on my official visit there, and and at the time it did feel like it was. You know something felt that, like home yeah it felt like you know a second high school to me the coaches felt similar mm-hmm. um, you know just the vibe in general just felt very positive yeah um, and being an instinctual person you know I didn't take any other visits I didn't do the the process and that's I didn't have anyone guiding me through the process sure so as a <laughs> as a 16 17 year old kid you know you're trying to make a decision that's life-altering you know, because those four years of, of college are important. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, you know, the relationships and things you build in that time are significant. Yeah. Um, so go there and then that in, in college where, is where you're introduced to a whole different side of football. Mm-hmm. It becomes a business. Yeah. It is no, it's no longer about, you know the the more athletic or the person that puts in the most work is is going to get playtime or is going to do um, is going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember uh, a quote. I was tell you a quote. I remember a statement that came out of my coach's mouth. I'm quoting him. It's not an actual quote, mm-hmm. but he in recruiting he was he was talking to my coaches and he was saying basically he he said. Um, a good high school player doesn't necessarily translate into a great college player. Mm-hmm. And then that's such a loaded statement. There's so much in that statement. Um, but to me, and to that point, I relied heavily on what made me successful. And what made me successful to that point was doing all the little things. So in the little things I, I'm talking about in investing my time and being a better a better football player. right? So doing the drills, lifting, um, kind of being a student of the game, so like watching mm-hmm. football 24-7. I, I think I, I only needed two channels. I needed ESPN and right. I needed <laughs> ESPN, you know what I mean? so it was it was once I was introduced to that, you know, that kinda it mm-hmm. shocked um, I feel like collecting all of that information, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the ups and the downs, right. the trials and the errors of a student athlete. Totally. Um, being alone for the first time. Being alone big. for the yeah. first time. Away from home for long periods of time. Like At yeah. the Division One level, there's very few times where you can go right back home. Right. You know, even right. the summertime, I think I was only allowed back home for maybe two weeks. Couple weeks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maximum. Um, so, you know, your whole comfort zone has shifted. Mm-hmm. Um you know you don't have that support system that structure that you're you're accustomed to seeing familiar faces you're you'll be you've developed a whole new family yeah you got to rebuild right yeah.
0: and the, that family is, is the brotherhood of your teammates that's funny I think like uh at some point in one's maturity it's like I feel like you you're sent off into the woods right and maybe go as in, you know in an athlete's development maybe going off to um like year one of college maybe those are the woods right you know for lack of a better term right
1: we're going to take a quick pause here as jim and jay had to switch locations midway through their conversation just a heads up that the audio is going to sound slightly different due to the location shift i would also like to take this time to remind everyone to please follow us on instagram and twitter at coach for kindness that's coach the number four kindness and please leave a review of the podcast we now return to our conversation between jim and jay it does somehow feel like that, though. You right. know, at least
0: at least in my development, it sounds like yours, too. Mm-hmm. That first year away from home, you know, packing up and, mm-hmm. and moving to a different city and, and not being home and having to make friends with 80 other people real fast, we, right. you know, in doubles or whatever it might have been. Yep, yep, yep. And, and, and the crazy part about it all is
2: um, I actually read – I heard this on a, on a music album that I was res- listening to. Um, and it says, life is a feeling process. You feel it before you intellectualize it. For so sure. think about it. These effects are happening in our, in our minds, in our body. Um, and we haven't even processed it yet, mm-hmm. right? So think about it. How many, X amount of years later right now, right. Uh, 10 years later, when I'm, well, I'm not a freshman in college anymore, yeah, you can right? make sense I'm, of it. I'm now yeah. intellectualizing it. For and sure. I'm like, wow, this is where I was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, and, totally. and th- so all of those experiences collectively led to you know the, the line of work that I went that I that I'm in now and that I've dedicated my life to. Which yeah, means, for sure. Yeah, tell us about um,
0: so so we met when you were working for Boston Scholar Athletes. Right. Um, is that was that one of your first jobs in the education slash sports realm? It was my first job. Yes. And so I'm, I have a
2: service driven mindset. So for sure. Yeah. About my Junior year, sophomore year, I, I realized I, I don't feel good unless I'm helping do good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've kind of designed, you know, my way of thinking around that. So initially, I thought I was going to be, you know, this, this top-notch FBI agent, Interpol nice. agent, that was going to, you know, work for Interpol and work for the against the injustices of the world, right? Um, you know, the that could here, still be heroes. in the cards. Of course, of course <laughs> it is. Um, but you know, I, I, realized I was like, at some point I'm probably going to want, you know, a family. Mm-hmm. So living a life, life of lies, well, you can't divulge all those details, you know, to everyone. So, right. uh, I don't, I didn't, it didn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about it in different ways and obviously it's super competitive to, to get into those, into that echelon. Um, so I, I decided I'm just going to stick with the service part. Yeah. Um, so I went the nonprofit route after returning from from France, from playing abroad, and
0: playing. Tell us about that first. Yeah. So that was that's actually a really
2: important part of you know if I was writing a biography about myself, that was that would be a really important yeah. transitionary transitionary period in my in my mindset. So after going there, I was I was in a rut prior to going to France. Mm-hmm. So I had coached um, a full season uh, at a D two. College in Worcester. I Coach safeties there. Um, Assumption College. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also a pro scout liaison there also. Nice. So speaking, uh, just coaching that, that whole process, I'm like, I, I'm not. Like, I battled. I wrestle with myself that, that full season. I'm like, I, I can't be coaching right now because I can still make the plays that I'm coaching Got these you. kids yep, to do. Yep. <laughs> I know what you're saying. So I'd be watching film, and I'm like, i I'm basically trying to tell someone to be me when I can still be me. Right. get what I'm saying? Right, I'm just like your early 20s, yeah. Saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. for saying? Yeah, fresh sure. out of college. Right, okay. Um, not even <laughs> six months out of college. Yeah. So I'm like, what What am I doing here? And I, and I didn't get a chance to study abroad. Hmm. Uh, and that was always something that was on my bucket list to do to live outside of the U.S. Uh, for an extended period of time. Hmm. Um, so I got recruited by the program that basically um, – after NFL cut the funding um, in Europe, a lot of leagues stuck around, um, and in order to try to repopularize it, in right areas the European Parliament sponsors a certain amount of Americans there. Yeah, sponsors certain amount of teams. To, to it's bring the them all EFAF, from. isn't it? The European yeah.
0: Federation of American Football. That's, yeah, that's I think I don't know if it still is, but that was the governing body when I was over there too. Yeah, yeah, when I was playing.
2: Um,
0: so. I ended up going
2: over there and playing and and, and just having a great time. Yeah, you know. Um, Which team was it in France? de It's It was like I don't know. It was like one of the lower. T- I think like D three or something like that. In teams that, over yeah. There. But whatever it was, I don't. I don't know. I know some of them.
0: France actually like there are some leagues over there that have that attract pretty decent athletes. Oh yeah, for sure. I I definitely played against D1 athletes and some other
2: kids that played D1 ball. Like my roommate was from San Diego State. Yeah. Uh, But that was the time of my life where I really got back to my comfort zone, I say. Mm. Got back to what was true to me uh, and the me that I knew in my head and that I wanted to be in the sense Mm -hmm. that um prior to that I was like I said I was in a rut I was beating myself up i um felt like I, I should have been at this point in my life I should have right. been making x amount of dollars by now. Right. I should have been doing x y, and z, you know giving back to my family doing this doing that had these aspirations to have my, my parents retire we really young yeah um and and when I went over there, I just really absorbed the culture it was just a sponge to everything around me it was it was it was like, I just feel nothing but happiness when I think back to that point in my life. You
0: know, can I tell you, I don't know, it, it's a hard thing to put words to, yeah. but I felt the same thing. Right. I, I, so I call it recalibrating. And there's certain things yeah. that I do in my life that recalibrate me. Yeah. Um, in like, in a bigger picture, that experience in my life was recalibrating. It was the yeah. same kind of idea. You're in this, I, you're in this post-collegiate, like, no man's land. You right. simultaneously simultaneously have like every option open to you um but but it's also like where there's just a real i i used to call it when i used to write about the post-collegiate ecotone that a lot of people get stuck in and no one's willing to identify you know right. because but but for it was the same thing for me my first i would say at the end of my first month in ireland mm. i started to feel more like myself right um and then at the back end of my overall overseas yes. experience i was like Oh yeah. yeah, this is what it's like.
2: And I've I've just been riding that wave ever since. There so you so go. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I don't I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to to the end of that wave right no now. Way. I feel like I'm on a tsunami,
0: like there you the go. biggest
2: one ever. I like that. Um, so I, I feel like once I got myself into that mindset and knew that I wanted to do it, I, I wanted to start to what I wanted to start working in an environment that um, gave me. You know that motivation, uh, which was working with athletes, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, my career in college didn't go the way um, I would have hoped it had gone. <clears throat> so, with that, I was in, in being in that. St- stuck in that middle ground it's like yeah. who is out there to help athletes right yeah like so many people are just like taking 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 it from an athlete but who actually reaches back and says mm-hmm. listen you, you're not superhuman you you need some assistance yeah. in right? one way or another in and transitions just like anybody else does for sure um so i, I stumbled upon this this organization called boston scholar athletes which was rebranded to, to scholar athletes now um and i was I was, su- I, su- I was suggested to go and reach out to that organization from Peter Roby, who was athletic director at Northeastern. Mm-hmm. Um, I scheduled a meeting with him about six months out from coming back from France, because I knew I'd be starting at, at point A again, and I'd be looking for, you know, something to do with work-wise. For sure. Um, and we had a conversation, I basically walked in there, sold myself to him, what I was passionate about, and he recommended me to that organization. Wow. So, in working for that organization, so wait, let's, let's rewind a couple steps. The the organization is founded upon the idea of shorting, shortening opportunity gap uh, between inner city schools and suburban, suburban schools mm-hmm. uh, through athletics. I love that. Uh, and based off of uh, an article that was released, um, I believe it was in 2008 or 2009, about the uh, inefficiency of, you know, the Boston school system, athletic structure in terms mm-hmm. of like just facilities, like everything you name it. Yeah. Um. So it was it was designed to to target those inefficiencies yeah. in, in the system. Um. And in Berkeley for them, I, I learned even more about the power of athletes and and thinking about you know the high school age and and how you know vulnerable they are to everything. Um. Yeah. And I was in a unique position where I dealt with these athletes on a day to day basis. So mm-hmm. that's what. Um, allowed me to be extremely passionate about you know the work that I did with them, um, and and from there moving on, you know to try to even become more of a problem solver because I feel like that that was my job for for athletes um, while working for scholar athletes, and you know giving three years to that organization and that organization assigned me to a high school, uh, which was the Jeremiah E. Burke High School in, right. in Dorchester, Massachusetts, and. That that experience with scholar athletes allowed me to get a, another um, opportunity, which is the opportunity that I'm now in being a student engagement counselor uh, and community field coordinator mm-hmm. um, at the school, and even becoming more of a problem solver. You know, just taking on all of these different challenges, whether it be behavioral um, or you know eliminating the red tape that. You know the organization that I, I worked for prior put around things that I could do and couldn't do sure, um, and kind of framed me up to to kind of be innovative
0: in everything mm-hmm. that I do in, um, in the school. That's so cool that they did that for you, first of all. I, this is still pretty – this is the first year in this position, right? Right. I'm just a couple months in now since yeah. school started. Right? I love – I mean, it's smart. I, so much talk about – I mean, there's a parallel here to sports, but mm-hmm. talent evaluation is is – a huge component of right. any organization, whether it's a team or, or a business or a school. right? And that's what... So BSA put you in. Boston Scholar Athletes gave you a shot at the Burke, mm-hmm. and then the people at the Burke saw what you could do, and they've given you now a new position, a little more flexibility, and, right. uh, and you feel like you can shine in, in that role. I think that's awesome. Right, and, and I honestly don't think that the, the headmaster, uh,
2: Dr. McIntyre, actually... Knew the ins and outs of everything that I did, mm-hmm. but I think she knew what she saw, and mm-hmm. that was that I made myself relatable. Yep, yeah. uh, I connected with the students in that building like no other adult that she, yeah. she probably saw. Um, and that I had a, a genuine passion for what I did, and I had a genuine yeah. approach in everything that I did for the benefit of the kids.
0: That much is clear for sure. Um, um yeah,
2: yeah, thank you, and I think. Uh, From there, I think once you once you focus on that, what you're passionate about, right? I think one of the first conversations you and I had, I I mentioned that once you figure out what you're passionate about, you're doing yourself an injustice by not chasing that. To not do it, totally. Um, And you know, people chasing you know a check is is not only now I've taken it a step further. Not only doing yourself an injustice but doing everyone around you an injustice that could have Mm -hmm. potentially benefited from your passion and your gift. Mm -hmm. And that and thinking about that is what inspires me to continue to inspire children to find what's passionate about, what what they're passionate about and finding their not I don't I don't wanna say point of existence or why they exist, but you know, it's, finding yeah, that niche, totally, And no, understanding
0: I, that voice, absolutely. It's probably a little early for them to know their life's purpose. Of course, but to, to, we're still to, figuring it out. Every, <laughs> everyone, does. If you're not constantly tinkering with that idea, then you're, uh, then you're behind. But I love that idea because that, I mean, that's so much about where figuring out what drives you. Like, what is motivation? Motivation is not like begrudgingly getting up. And going to a job you don't like and right. doing a thing that you have to do out of complete obligation—that um, is obligation, right. not motivation. You do it because you have to, not because you want to get up and go do it. Right. And it's just entirely limiting, right? right? So I, I agree with that. I think for as long as you can, do do the thing that moves you, right? right? right. Like right. that's—and um, if you can somehow make a career of it, then I agree. It's not just best for you, mm-hmm. but like you don't want to—you don't want to. Not expose everyone else you might be able to have a positive effect on to your best self. 100%. Right? 100%. That makes complete sense.
2: And I, and I think people like you and I, and the way we connect is we're constantly trying to affect and touch others around us in a positive way. I think that's true. Um, and, and that's where we immediately connected um, when our mutual friend put us in contact.
0: We can give a shout out to Marina. Yes, definitely a shout out to Marina for, that, for sure.
2: <laughs> she's fantastic. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I think I think that's where we connected, and that's where this um, this, this this partnership of shared thoughts and shared mindset is, is going to continue to to grow and evolve into you know whatever it's going to evolve.
0: Exactly, on. and I love that you said that. And I think there's so much. So the good yeah. athlete, you're you're identifying an idea that we've. We've worked um, to kind of uh, talk through many, many times. Like, what is the Good Athlete Project? Okay, like there's a, there's a, there's a on the surface name, The Good Athlete Project is an education consulting foundation that uses athletics to help people realize their potential. And that's exactly what it is. And that's a beautiful thing, in my opinion, that I think it, it, I mean, we've seen in just a couple years that we've been around already some really fantastic results. And that's exciting. But the truth is, what it is, is yet to be determined hmm. it's a project it's not an item right it's not like the good athlete shoe that makes you run faster or jump higher we're not making a claim like that mm-hmm. it's a good athlete project uh and it starts you know it's built off ideas and ideas grow and crystallize and become more more clear as you walk the path right. um and we also don't want to limit ourselves to who knows what you know like you said we might find down the road that what we were really meant to do is something is tutoring athletes. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe it's working with post-career professionals to help them lead lives. We just had a, a discussion on on safety in athletics. Maybe right. something around that road. I think to not close oneself off. To have direction for sure. Mm-hmm. To um, be explicit about your process for sure. Mm-hmm. But to really chase your passion and hopefully that, that passion is an evolving one. Right? right? If you're doing the same thing 20 years from now that you're doing today. I'm like, I don't mean you. If, if one the is, yeah, then, then like, I don't know. Um, right? That better be Explicit. a damn good thing. To do you know? Illicit and intentional. It's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I like that. All right, man, well, listen, um, we, I mean, we could, you know this, that you and I could talk all sure. night, I think. Right. Um, but if, if people want to find out more about you yeah. uh, or learn about what you're doing, what's the best way to do that? Uh,
2: they can either reach out to me or follow me on so- social media um, at J-A-Y underscore J-E-A-N-L-O-U-I-S. Um, and, and that's where you're finding me. And
0: that's yeah. you. That's me. That's me. nutshell. All right, man. Well, thanks All for right. being here tonight. I have a feeling... This is not the last podcast you're going to be on. I, I think we're going to have um, to—I don't know—whenever we come up with a new cool idea, let's talk through it. Oh, for share sure. it with the world for sure. I agree. Thanks for I'm having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Today's episode was brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. You can find them at Hand Armor Chalk or at Team Hand Armor on Twitter and Instagram. For more on the Good Athlete Project, go to goodathleteproject.com. Or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Coach4Kindness. That's Coach for Kindness. And keep an eye out for our next episode.